You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to be with you today. Glad that we are here together as one church. Not that we weren't one church before, but we were one church in multiple services, and uh, we felt that very important that we would, in the month of July, when summer is here, and we've got lots of things going on, and lots of people in different places. As a matter of fact, we've got a huge group of students and leaders in Memphis today with a mission team. Yeah. Pastor Derek Joyce at Monument of Love, he's maybe watching later on. Hey, Pastor Derek, uh, he's such a, a great guy to follow on Instagram. He's so encouraging. Um, and then also just the things that we have going on in our life. It's a busy, busy month, and uh, God's got some great things in store for us, but we thought it would be great if we could just see everybody all in one place at one time, wrap our arms around each other proverbially and literally maybe, and just love on one another and receive love from God together as the body of Christ. Can we do that? And let me encourage you, listen, just because we get here, for those of you uh, used to coming in at the 9 o'clock hour, right, 9.30, you're coming a little bit later. Those of you used to coming at 11.15, you're coming a little bit earlier, but we're giving you a little bit of extra time. So I want to say use it. Use it wisely. And what I mean by that is find somebody maybe that you don't know or find somebody that you'd like to get to know. And now you're going to have time except today because I'm going to preach for at least an hour. But most of the time, uh, you'll have time to go to lunch together and, and meet with somebody. Don't just, like after two services, and most of us have been here since, you know, before 7 o'clock, all I want to do, I love you and all, but all I want to do is I don't want to eat with you. I don't want to talk to you. I want to go home and take a nap. Right, But now there's a little bit of freedom, a little bit of leeway, a little bit of margin. And I want to encourage you to use it to be the body with one another. So today, 4th of July, give me liberty or give me death. Those are the famous words of Patrick Henry in 1775. Obviously, about a year before 1776, when our nation declared its independence. And this is a day where we remember that and we celebrate that, or we're grateful, if you will, that we've been afforded in our nation lots of freedoms and, and, and comforts. We're grateful for those that have sacrificed in so many different ways, and, and not just our military, but many people throughout many years sacrificing so that we could actually have a nation that is not perfect and doesn't have all the answers, but we have a place where we can continue to grow and be better than we are now. We've been afforded that opportunity. But Patrick Henry's statement as a Christian is not really our cry. As a Christian, Patrick Henry's statement is not actually what we would say in the kingdom of God. It's not a either or statement, but it's actually both and. This morning, I want to do something as I explain that, that I've never actually done before in my 16 plus years of preaching here, which I know instills a ton of confidence in you right now, and maybe raise the anxiety level to dangerously high. But trust me, which is something else you don't want to hear somebody say after they say they're about to do something they've never done before. 
But trust me, I want to do this, and it's not something super difficult. I just want to show you my artistic abilities, which I have none. Uh, but I want to use uh, an opportunity just to draw some things out and maybe write some things out this morning to help me in illustrating this morning's message of what it means to live a life as a disciple making disciples. What it means to live a life of, of loving Jesus and loving other people, which is what we're called to do as the church. What we've been given an opportunity to do because of what Christ has done. So I want to start by saying that we all love to live a victorious life, right? Everybody likes victory. We like that. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want to go living from victory to victory, glory to glory, and, and I'm all down for that. I, I love that idea. I love that truth that's biblical to live a life that is victorious. So if that is the case, that we're to live a life that is victorious, then how do we start living that victorious life with victory over sin and death and hell and the grave that Jesus has given us. How do we start living that victorious life? Well, it starts at salvation. So let's just say, and again, this isn't art 101. Well, it might be art 101, but this is just an illustration. So let's just say, this is me and you, this little dot. And really, that is all we are in this life. We're this little dot. We got that. Oh, there it is. See that nice little dot? That's amazing. Y'all are just shocked right now. I know. <laughs> But here's the deal, where does the Holy Spirit meet us and begin to initiate, as we've talked about in the recent weeks, where does he begin to initiate that relationship? Is it after we've kind of fixed things and made things okay and gotten things better? No, the Holy Spirit meets us where we are, wherever that is, whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, no matter how far you think you are, he meets us there. Now, here is where things go off for us a little bit. Many times in the Christian life, living victory to victory, glory to glory, I'm just going to have an abundant life. I'm going to have a blessed life. We think the Holy Spirit meets us, saves us, and then it's just this, you know, on up into heaven. I'm not even going to draw heaven because that would just shock you all how well I could do that. But it's like, okay, I gave my life to Jesus, and now it's just going to be this upward climb to heaven. And when that one day when I'm, no, but that's not how the Christian life works at all, actually. As we're saved and Jesus comes and he meets us, the Holy Spirit begins to draw us. Here's what happens. It's not upward that we go. The first direction that we must go with the Holy Spirit is down. We go down, why? Because in that place of going down in humility, we meet Jesus at the cross. This is the place where we die to ourselves. We die to our old life. We die to our desires. There's a place of dying. Here's the reason why. Because we say, well, I want to live the resurrected life. I want to live the life of the power of the resurrection that we just sang about. And that is true. But there is no resurrection until there is first what? Death. I can't live a resurrected life until I have first died to myself. And so here is where we meet Jesus and his sacrifice for us on the cross. And it's at this point that we begin to move upward 
in our walk with him and in our sanctification and our growing in our relationship with Christ. There is no resurrection without death. So for us, with our primary citizenship, just in case we've forgotten, with our primary citizenship, not being in the United States, but being in heaven first and foremost, that's the primary, everything else is secondary. It's not give me liberty or give me death, it's a both and for us. It's give me death and then give me liberty. Give me death. Holy Spirit, take me to the place of dying to myself so that I can then live a resurrected life. This is truly the only victorious life. Say, I want to live a victorious life. I want to live from glory to glory. Then the only way that you're going to do that is by dying first. And once we have died and been raised to a new life, then our job, our job as Christians, because we say, I want to help people have life. No, our job as Christians is to help people die well. I want to help you die well because the only way you're going to have a resurrected life is if you first die. But before I unpack that some, let me emphasize that dying well will be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And it'll be a part of our everyday life for the rest of our lives until we meet Jesus face to face. Dying well will be a part of our lives every day. The way of the cross, dying to myself, dying to ourselves. That's the true way of life. If you have your Bible, I'm going to be over in a few different verses, Luke and Galatians, so there's not one particular text, but this is really about living the, the resurrected life that comes through the crucified life. So in Luke 9, 23, this is what Jesus says to us. He says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Every, take, every step that I take following Jesus from this point forward is a step closer to this new life in Christ. It's a step of dying to myself. It's a step of saying no to my own will because every new step that I take is in Jesus and I crucify myself. I crucify myself will to live according to his way. What I want to do what I hope for, what I'm thinking, all of those things are dying to what Christ wants in. So we have to go the way of the cross. My own will, your own will has to be denied. It has to be set aside, taking this what? We're going, I'm saying, here's my will and I'm going down here. There's the death of my will on the cross. If God's will is to be done, and this is an emphatic what? Either or statement right here. There can be no both and when it comes to my will and God's will. Well, a little bit of mine and a lot of God's. Nope. It's either my will or it's God's will for my life. This is either or. He didn't say that it would be preferable if we did this or it would be best if we would die to ourselves and deny ourselves. He said we must deny ourselves. We must go the way of the cross. We must go down before we can be lifted up. We must have a death before there could be a raising to a new life, a resurrected life. The source and the foundation for all of this is the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ took his cross, bore it, was nailed to it for our benefit. 
So that now today we too can bear our cross, be nailed to it by faith, and live the crucified but resurrected life in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. So what? I no longer live. It's not me, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why did Jesus do this? Because he loved you. He loved us. He loves us. If we lay hold of this by faith, it will also, in truth, begin to work in the crucifixion in us, a dying daily. And if we don't, then it goes without saying, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God if we don't live by faith. It's impossible to please God if we don't deny ourselves and live the resurrected life. The old man cannot do and will not do God's will. That's why it has to die. That's why we have to help people die well. Let's be honest. We don't die well. And I'll say we, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll narrow that down. We in the West, particularly in the church, don't die well. Matter of fact, and listen, this is no knock on anything that we've done. We call it here, but we oftentimes don't even call a funeral a funeral. We call it a celebration of life. And that's good, and that's fine, but there is sadness. There is sorrow. There is death that God never intended for us to have to deal with in this life. We avoid it. We don't talk about it. We don't teach about it. We don't look forward to heaven very often. We don't talk about that, heaven coming to earth, which is what's gonna happen. Think about when someone is sick and dying. And listen, we're gonna pray all day long. We're gonna pray for healing. We're gonna pray that they'll be raised up. We're gonna pray that God would do a miracle. We believe in that. We're gonna pray for that all day long. But even if God does, it's just a stall. It's just a stall. There's one thing for certain. All of us are gonna die one day. Are we prepared? Do we prepare? Do we think about it? Do we talk about it? We have to understand that the most important thing in this life is to die well spiritually so that when the time comes for us to die physically, there is no sting and there is no death. Because without this, there is no resurrection. Jesus said it this way, if you want to gain your life, if you want to gain a life and live an abundant life, you first have to lose it. We often think of first and last being like a line for the lunchroom or something. If they're going to be first, got to be last. No, this means you're going to have to be one who is willing to die to yourself. We don't get the resurrected life without the painful death first. There is no resurrection until there is first death. We cannot have and will not have a victorious life that Jesus won for us to walk in until we're willing to first die well. And this is not something that we do alone. Here's the good news. Where did, where's the Holy Spirit meet us? You go back to my wonderful drawing a moment ago, the Holy Spirit meets us right here, right where we are, right at the beginning. This is 
Him meeting us, drawing us, calling us so we're never alone. He's with us every step of the way, calling us out of our places of hiding, calling us out of our places of darkness and guilt and shame and all the things that we deal with. Then he leads us to the place of the cross. He doesn't lead us upward. He leads us downward in a place of humility to the cross of Jesus Christ. But then because of Jesus, we are now raised to a newness of life. That's what's signified in water baptism. We're raised to a new purpose, a new heart a new calling a new life in Christ the way up first is way down and we don't need a redirection I don't need the Holy Spirit to show up and take me and say well maybe you ought to go this way we don't need a redirection in life we're in need of a supernatural resurrection in this life I'm not just sick and need to get better I'm dying and I need to die well So beyond looking more like Christ in my character, which is part of what it means to be a Christian, what actions must the resurrection life look like? What is it that we are to do as those that are resurrected to a new life? I believe one of those is disciples making disciples is to help other people die well. That's part of our calling. That's part of our work in this earth, if you will, to help other people die well to help lead people and walk with others to the resurrected life, the least, the last, the lost, all of them. We are called to die well with them, to go the way of the cross with them. Why don't we die well with others? Why don't we allow others to die well? All right, let's start over. Here's the reason why. This is, say, your friend, your family member, whoever it is. Signified by a dot again, because I'm really good at those. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit meets them there and asks you to maybe walk alongside them. Problem is, is we don't usually walk alongside them. We're over here, right? We're living the victorious, resurrected life. And here's where the Holy Spirit wants to take them. But because of our anxiety in this life, we would like to do this. Oh, you're not supposed to feel uncomfortable. Here, let me help you. I got a solution. Oh, I know. That's, that's tough. That's a really hard, difficult word to listen to. I know Pastor Brent, he's just, yeah, sometimes you just got to ignore him. Yeah, I got a better way. It's this way. And what happens in our anxiety to not, what, spend the time, not spend the effort, not spend the energy, that's just a lot. We circumnavigate and short-circuit what God is trying to do, which is to help this person die to something they need to die to, and we think we've got an answer and a solution, and all we're doing is manipulating. Let's go with one overarching reason, and I'll put it here. This is our anxiety. And you know what? The scripture is pretty clear that that doesn't ever work out well. Like anxiety in the heart of a man weighs him down. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Don't be anxious. But man, am I anxious. And I can't tell you how many times that I have done things out of my anxiety instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. This is why this is impossible. Like, because I've got an answer. It's Jesus. And I'm going to tell you how to get there without taking and walking with you and taking the time to disciple you to the place that God wants you to go because I'm anxious and I don't want you to get mad. I don't want you to get offended. I don't want you to walk away. So I'll just give you the answer real quick. Here's what you got to do. 
Here's what they need. It's the same thing that you and I needed. They need Jesus to kill the sin that is slowly killing them and for the spiritual death that they need to go through to bring a resurrection life. They don't need our rescue. They don't need our solutions. They don't need our help. They need the Holy Spirit's help. In John 11, we see this play out. Pastor Russ did such a great job of punching us in the face last week. And uh, it was so powerful. I'm like, why did anybody complain about his message? I mean, he punched us a thousand times. I left here with black eyes, a bloody nose. Everybody's like, that was awesome. That was so loving. Okay, good. I'm glad you think so, because it was powerful. And one of the things that he said so lovingly that y'all loved was that you're not supposed to come to church to be comfortable. And guess what? You're not going to have an easy walk being a disciple. Being a part of the church isn't meant to be comfortable. It's meant to cause us discomfort so that we can die to ourselves. And then living a life of a disciple is not going to be easy because dying isn't easy. But it can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit because it's impossible to do anything without him. Think about John 11, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. This is the story that Pastor Russ was sharing last week, that all of those people are kind of at the table of the church every single Sunday, right? And then he talked about Judas and all these other things that we have going on in the body of Christ. But in this particular story in John 11, you've got Mary and Martha and you've got a sick Lazarus who's dying. You got two, actually three friends of Jesus. They're all begging and asking that he would come and heal Lazarus, that he'd get there. They know he could do it. They trust him. They've got the faith, and he doesn't come. Lazarus dies, and he waits another three days before he shows up. Because here, in our anxiety, right, Mary and Martha, they're up here. I, I, I'll put Mary, well, we'll just go M&M, right? <laughs> in their anxiety, right, like, hey, come on. You've got to heal him. You've got to heal him. You can heal him. But Jesus knew that Lazarus didn't need a healing. He needed a resurrection to prove who Jesus was. He wanted to do something greater. And so he let him die, which was the harder route, so that he could raise him to a new life. Why is it that the people of the cross, which is what we're called, never consider that in his sovereignty, God would ask us to die? Are you talking figuratively or literally right now? Both. Mainly spiritually. That there's going to be a time and a space and a place every single day where we have to die to ourselves. That God's answer is a death, if you will, so that he can raise us to a new life. And if you ask yourself, why is it that we are so have such a difficult time? Why death and dying are never consideration of God's sovereign work in the lives of people of the cross? If we're honest, we just don't have the time to go the way of the cross. Let's go back to this being me and you, right? And our friend, whoever our friend might be, or an acquaintance, and we meet them right here. And we, like I said, want to take them the way of anxiety over here. Jesus and the Holy Spirit wants to take them down to the way of the cross. And here's why I think for us, I'll say for me, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. I'll say for me. The reason that I want to go over here and tell you to jump over here is because I don't want to die to myself again. I got to die to my time. 
I gotta die to my emotions. I gotta die to my frustrations. I gotta die to all kinds of things to go there with you. And then also, I'm already dealing with a lot of stuff in my life and there's so much difficulty that I've not let die in my life because I've tried to short circuit God's work that I really don't wanna go there and have him show something else in my life that needs to die. I got enough pain, I got enough discomfort. Can't y'all just stop? I don't wanna go there. Oh, but I know you think it's going to be hard. But on the other side, God's not just trying to make you feel better. He's trying to raise you to a new life. And this is one of my favorite verses that reminds me of this. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's already gone the way of the cross. He's already led the way. He's got nothing but good intentions for you. There's nothing to be afraid of. That's why perfect love casts out all fear. What's the perfect love? It's Jesus. He's the perfect love. And it casts out all fear that what he's doing in your life is not for your destruction, but for your good. It's so that you can die to your old life and be raised to a new life in Christ that is so much better. We don't need to short circuit what God's trying to do in someone else's life. We need to go with them, love them, be patient with them, long-suffering with them. Exhibit what? The fruit of the Spirit with them so that we don't manipulate them to a place of where we are and we allow God to mortify, kill the sin in their life and in our life. And then again, God's changed me. I'm more like Christ in serving the, those around me. And they're now more like Christ because they've been saved and resurrected to a new life. Matter of fact, a lot of times we think we're helping somebody by giving them a solution, and a solution is just a noble form of disengaging. Yeah, here's a solution, because I ain't got time for all this. This happens when we're operating out of anxiety. We'll become solution-based disciple makers. So unless our hearts are at peace, which is another fruit of the Spirit, which is us being led by the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you this is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be led by His Spirit, led by peace, that we'll be ministering not out of our anxiety, but peace. And that's the process of discipleship that's always death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. The position of discipleship is not, I'm over here looking down at you, so come over here because i I've got the solution. No, I'm going to join you over here because that's what Jesus modeled. Wherever you are, by the well, with leprosy, with the demon, whatever it is, I'm going to meet you where you are so that I can walk you through the death and the resurrection life that I have for you today. But that's hard. Yep. I wish I could say that it was easy because I think that we have the choice to be the two different Simons that I read about in the Bible. Out of our anxiety, we could be like Simon Peter. And when Jesus was headed to the cross, he stepped in and said, nope, not going to do that. We're not going to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. You don't know what God's doing right now. Or we could be like the other Simon, Simon of Cyrene, who said, I'll help take the cross and walk it even though I don't want my Savior to be crucified. There was something that God was doing. And so instead of being Simon Peter and stepping in and short-circuiting what God's doing, let's be like Simon of Serene and help people carry the cross to the place of death so they can be raised to a new life. 
Why is the resurrection life so important? Because it's the only way that we'll faithfully become more like Christ. It's the only way that we're going to be a church of disciples making new disciples. I love what Pastor Russ said last week, right? All the things about church and all the things about the people that are around us. And we don't necessarily know all that's going on in everybody's life, but we're still called to serve the church. To lay our lives down, to go the way of death, to take up our cross daily. And Jesus showed us that. Jesus showed us that in the way that he ministered to people. He lived a life of interruption. He went to the lowly. He was always willing to go to the inconvenient places and to the kind of salacious places, the scandalous people. And he would meet them where they are and lead them to the cross. He would write those into his story that had been written off. I don't know who needs to hear that today. I know I do. I've had to preach it to myself all week. If people have written you off, then you're in a good place to die to yourself and let Jesus write you into his story, which is how your story is going to be great. It's only in death and resurrection. Now, that was sermon number one. Listen, when I go away and I'm not preaching for that many weeks and I'm also in a program that I'm studying a lot, that's why we went to one service, let's be real. It's so I could preach longer. I'm just sort of kidding, but I want to finish by looking at one of my favorite people living a resurrection life because Jesus wrote this man into the grand story, and he's somebody who certainly would have never thought he'd been written into the grand story of Jesus. He'd been written off. He'd been thought of as, as the worst of the worst, and his name is Zacchaeus. You maybe know him as the wee little man. We all need what do we all need y'all see that straight line i just drew Woo. we all need security that is to be loved this is really what i'm hoping for during this time in july that we would have security and know that we are loved. Also, we need significance. And that is, I'm talking about you don't need to feel significant, you need to do something significant, and that is to give love that you've received. Because of the security that I have in Christ, I've been loved. Now I have to do something significant, and that is to give that love. But we have a problem. Because sin produces guilt. Or I feel so unworthy. It also produces shame where I feel just dishonored. But the gospel, hello church, this is good news. Y'all still there? Y'all just astounded by my writing right now. <laughs> mercy. The gospel provides mercy, which heals our guilt so that we can receive love. And then, what else does it do? It pours out, as John 1:16 says, grace upon grace to empower us. What, we'll put empower here. Empowers us to what? Give love. 
Because if you know, like I, I'm not going to give love unless I'm empowered by God's grace to do it. I don't love well outside of God's power to help me love well. And neither do you. Then we live by faith, which causes us to have an attitude of gratitude. Ooh, that rhymed. And then also to be generous. Generosity. So let's read the story of Zacchaeus real quick, just in case you don't know it. Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Hence, wee little man. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to him, said to the Lord, look, Lord, I here and now, I give all of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, I want you to remember our first picture. Where did the Holy Spirit meet Zacchaeus? Where he was? Hey, you're listening. Right where he was. He went to where he was. He didn't say, hey, come over here. He met him where he was. The Holy Spirit was beginning to draw him and, and lead him to wanting to go see Jesus. And here's where Zacchaeus is, right where he was. He's being drawn to the Lord. But like any of us, there's always this negative question. Will Jesus accept me? Like, I know that he can save everybody else, and, and I know that he likes them and he loves them, but not me. He, you don't know what I've done. You don't know about my mind. and my Oh, but God does, and Jesus still loves you. So he runs to a tree in order to get a better view. But have you ever seen a picture of a sycamore fig tree, anybody? I Googled it. Did you know you could Google stuff? You can find a picture, right? So I Google a picture of a sycamore fig tree. Well, they have low branches. They're pretty thick. Like it wouldn't be a big deal for him to like just to kind of do like this and be about three feet taller. I always envisioned him, I don't know, like in the south, I guess, climbing a pine tree, you know. Like, guess what? There's no pine trees in the Middle East. Just not at least that I'm aware of. Will? Okay. <laughs> so here he is climbing up this fig tree. And the other thing about fig trees, sycamore fig trees, is they've got really big leaves. And so you can kind of see Jesus and, and hide kind of there at the same time. Because here's my thing. I always envision Zacchaeus kind of climbing up a really tall tree, an oak tree, a, a whatever kind of tree, a magnolia tree, if I put it in our context. And he's just like, hey, Jesus. Anybody else ever think of him that way? That's how I think of him. I don't think that's how it was at all. I think Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he, but he really wasn't sure if Jesus would see him. And I'm not sure if he was sure he wanted Jesus to see him. I think that there's a reason why he climbed up in a fig tree because he wanted to see Jesus and, and he didn't want to be seen. Maybe you remember another fig tree that was mentioned in Genesis 3, 7 when Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves because they didn't want to be seen by God. And here's Zacchaeus climbing up in a fig tree trying to hide a little bit of his guilt and his shame because he felt that. 
See, fig leaves are the human's way of trying to cover ourselves and hide our shame. But Jesus doesn't just cover us, he clothes us in righteousness. This is what Galatians 3 says. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all who were baptized into Christ, think about your baptism into Christ, what? Dying, going towards the cross, identifying with your death in Christ, have been clothed yourselves with Christ. Leads me to a question. Do you want to continue to cover yourself or do you want to be clothed by Christ? Because anxiety wants me to cover myself. Jesus wants me to die to myself so he can clothe me in righteousness. Watch what Jesus does with Zacchaeus. He points him out. Zacchaeus is probably thinking, can you help me? Can you fix me? Can you make me feel better without making a big deal about it? Nope. I'm going I'm to call you out in front of everybody. I'm going to make a spectacle of you, not to embarrass you, but to make a spectacle of the fact that I'm about to go to your house, that I'm going to go to a place that nobody thinks that I should go. I'm going to go be a friend of a sinner, and I'm going to see his life radically change. I want to make a spectacle of the fact that this guy that all of you have written off, that don't think has a possibility of having a new life, is going to be my friend today. Wow. Reminds me of Colossians 2, say, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he, Jesus, has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He made a spectacle of your sins by pouring out his mercy and triumphing over sin and death. I love that verse. And how did Jesus triumph? Let's skip to the end so that we could draw this to a close. By the cross, by dying. How did he humiliate the enemy? By being humiliated himself on the cross so that we didn't have to be. I believe this is where we get rid of shame. If you'll go back to that wonderful chart that I put up, I believe this is where we get rid of shame. That we're often okay being stuck in this particular column right here. That we're okay being forgiven, that our guilt is gone. But what Zacchaeus showed us and what I believe God wants you to know today is that the way that we get rid of shame is by living a life of significance, giving love, walking in grace, and being generous towards others because of our gratitude towards God. What was Zacchaeus' grateful response? He gave to the poor, restored what he had taken, he isn't boasting his words in verse 8 are an admission of his guilt and a sign of his deep humility before God. For many today, trust in Jesus, just wiping the slate clean is good enough for us. I'm, I'm forgiven. It's under the blood. I'm done. I've heard that so many times. And yet, where I want, believe Jesus leads us, leads us in this resurrected life is to die to ourselves again and not just be living a forgiven life, but a generous life, a resurrected life where we are giving of the love that we've received. And this is exactly what Zacchaeus did. 
We restore. That's what he did. There's restitution. This is the generous living part to make restitution, to make things right, to remove our shame. We restore what we've stolen and we make peace with those that we've hurt. Jesus taught that we are known by the fruit of our lives. And this is the fruit of those that have gone the way of the cross and have been raised to a new life. What kind of fruit is coming out of the tree of your life? Zacchaeus showed that he had been forgiven. Not just by words, but also by deeds that he trusted the Messiah, that he was a new person. And this is why the Lord Jesus said that he was a son of Abraham. Why? Because he is also living by faith, by his actions. He's a son of Abraham because he's not only a son by birth, but he's also a son by faith, by what he is doing. Well, is it God loves us unconditionally or is God loves, loves us because of the things we do? Yes. Well, does my wife love me unconditionally or she love me because of the things that I do? Yes. James says faith without works is dead. Gratitude without generosity really isn't gratitude at all. Zacchaeus was so grateful for the mercy of God that he generously offered to pay back four times. The law only required that he would pay back what he stole plus one-fifth. That's all the law required. You know what grace does? It always outdoes the law. It always is super generous and goes above and beyond what is required. That's what Zacchaeus did. He went beyond the law's requirement to right the wrongs that he had done. And I believe many times we're okay with just being forgiven, but we don't want to go above and beyond the law to right the wrongs that we've done. That's why we still carry a lot of shame. There's a lot of talk, and I'll just skip down to that part of this message There's a lot of talk in our world today about shame. Conversation, shame we give, shame we receive, shame we feel, but I truly believe we feel shame because instead of going to the right tree, the cross, to die to ourselves, we go to the fig tree to just kind of see Jesus and still stay hidden. Try to cover ourselves instead of letting him clothe us in righteousness. Because when we're clothed in righteousness and we're grateful for the fact that God has traded all of my sin and I gave it to him and he gave me his righteousness, the great exchange doesn't make any sense. When I'm grateful for that, I begin to live a significant life of giving love to others, removing the shame of my past and receiving grace to empower me to be generous in the love that I've received. We help people die well. We lead people to the cross. This is what disciples making disciples looks like. My friends, God can find you no matter where you are today, hiding behind a quote unquote fig leaf, trying to get a glimpse of him from a higher position. But when he sees you and you truly see him as he is, he's going to take you to the lowest place. He's gonna be with you of dying to yourself so that you can be raised to a new life. That's really all that I, in all that I have been praying and and reading and, and listening this week, it was like, I want us to die well so that we can live a resurrected life for the glory of God while we have the time to do so. Church, I want us to receive the love of God to be forgiven, and if that's you today, to be forgiven for everything and anything. doesn't matter. 
but that it doesn't stop there, that we live a generous life of making restitution, of paying back whatever we need to, whether that's personally in people's lives or, or just saying, God, I want to generously love as you have loved me, whatever that looks like, wherever that is. And God is more than able to do that. So if you feel unlovable, unsure about Jesus, how he'll respond to you, please hear this, Jesus welcomes you. Better yet, Jesus will cleanse and heal you. He's not gonna leave you the same way that you came to him. He's gonna meet you where you are. He's gonna take you and walk you to the place of the cross. He's gonna raise you to a new life. He, whether it's keeping you right now, whatever it is, from a closer relationship with him or a closer relationship with the community, the body of Christ, whatever it is, I'm encouraging you to die to that today. Jesus bids us to come and die so that he can raise us to a new life, not to leave us dead. That's the good news of the gospel. We have a lot of things to be thankful for today, a lot of things to have gratitude for today. Most importantly and first and foremost, the fact that Jesus loves us and has saved us and has made a way for us to have a life both abundant and free. But we do that by being generous recipients of his great love, dying to ourselves, whatever that is, and being raised to a new life. Would you bow your head and pray with me this morning? You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from, and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.